Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Broker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Andrea Pearson. And I'm Joe Lalo. And we are recording our first show in more than six months. As we warned you last time, we've kind of retired from podcasting, but the world has been such a crazy place this year that we thought we'd do a show, talk a little bit about like why book sales might be down this year and what you can do about it, what we're doing about it. Um, and this is going to be more how global stuff could be affecting your publishing right now and your sales and your income from your sales. Um, we've done lots of shows on you know, what's wrong with your books or what might be wrong with your books in your life and what about your stuff is keeping it from selling. So check out our back catalog if you want to look for those kinds of things. This is really more about how current events may be affecting your income. And if that's you, you know, even if we can't solve all your problems, which I'm sure we can't, we can't solve our own problems, uh, you will at least know you're not alone. And uh, we will do an update and chat about ourselves or our publishing news at the end. Heard from a few people that said they skipped the news updates at the beginning. So we'll just make it easier if you, you want to bail on that. It'll be in the second half. Um, and just a reminder for anybody new that might chance upon us. We are all career authors and have been for more than 10 years, mostly self-published, but we have some audiobooks and foreign rights stuff uh, traditionally published as well. Uh, before we jump in, just say hi, guys. Introduce yourselves briefly. We're saving our news. <laughs> uh, I'm Joe Lalo, and uh, I, I the Book of Deacon guy, and I'm also I'm the Pizza Dragon guy. Pizza Dragon you, guy. That's the one. Uh, that's all I got to say. And I'm Andrea Pearson. I write urban fantasy and um, sweet, clean romance. And um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> All right. And uh, Lindsay Broker, sci-fi and fantasy. All right. We're going to, we actually have some things to share. So we'll share them and then talk about it. Things that could be affecting your sales right now. Well, number one, war and <laughs> global tensions. And I, I laugh because things are so bad. I, I hope everybody understands that I'm not, it's not funny stuff, but at this point you're just like, oh my gosh, what next? But um, I don't know how many of us actually sell books in Russia and the Ukraine, but we've probably all been surprised this year by the global reach and side effects of this conflict. Uh, other things, looming recession. This is, uh, I heard somebody say, this has been the most covered and forecasted recession in history. And it may not even have started yet, depending where on the where in the world you are. It's kind of a little iffy. But in the U.S., they still haven't declared it a recession. Um, but everybody thinks we're going into this in 2023. And uh, a lot of people are spending less out of concern of layoffs and hard times. Also, inflation has been a big thing pretty much everywhere. Pretty much all the countries, major countries, uh, global countries in the world are global countries. I don't know what that means. <laughs> G1 through G20, something like that. The top economies in the world are dealing with uh, inflation, which is, of course, kind of a silent tax on everyone, even the lower income earners who usually don't have to pay as much in countries with a progressive tax system, but it just affects everybody across the board, biting into their discretionary income. And lastly, something you might not have thought about, I didn't think about it until my income from the UK went way down, was that the dollar has been very strong, the US dollar, which is uh, everything else in comparison, the other currencies have been very weak. So if you get paid in US dollars, you're taking a big hit right now on international sales income, even if you're selling the same amount of books, when it's getting exchanged, like from uh, pounds or euros back into dollars, you're making less money. All right. Those are my four on the list there. Do you guys have thoughts on any of that stuff before we move on to yours? 
Um, I mean, uh, these are all like, I agree across, but like inflation and, and the looming recession. It's funny. It seems like people are always predicting a recession, but the, the, the longer you predict something, the more likely it's going to happen. Um, the only thing that the only, only counter I would say is that while certainly like in the places directly affected by, uh, by war, then life is disrupted and things are just not going to be the same. Uh, when in during times of tension and, and uncertainty, there is still the desire for escapism. So while for sure, uh, if your life is disrupted, you're going to sell fewer books. I feel like there are some, some isolated cases where uh, a stressful world might send someone into the open arms of fiction. So that one might have a balancing offset, but the rest of it, I absolutely agree with. And it's funny, the strong dollar thing. I didn't start reading about the strong dollar uh, until I noticed, I was like, wow, I, I usually get a much bigger chunk from, from UK. I wonder what's going on. And I'm like, oh, uh, the dollar is worth more than the pound right now. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was astounded by that. Yeah, our UK authors might be enjoying the opposite effect, although they've got enough, so much crazy going on in their country that they're probably not even worrying about it right now. Uh, it seems like almost everybody's like that. It's like, you know, everybody's kind of on edge, like, will there be World War Three? So I don't know if you're a dystopian author right now, people might not be buying those books because the world has gotten a little too dystopian. I do wonder, I've actually had a number of people say, like, I'm so glad that you have these kind of light, funny, humorous books that I've been enjoying. You know, it's like you really need it right now. Um, but of course, all that has affected energy prices. And that's a big factor in inflation, too. So it the war is actually, oddly enough, probably another reason why people have less money to spend right now. Yeah, especially people in the UK. I mean, or not UK, in Europe, you know, their energy costs are astrono- astronomically high right now. And by the way, Joe, I love that into the arms of, what did you say, into the arms of a fiction book? <laughs> yep. The loving embrace some space <laughs> opera. <laughs> That's pretty great. But yeah, no, seriously, I mean, I mean, the, the war global tensions, that's, that's even affected us on a, on my home front. My kids are always asking me every single day, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine? What's going on with Russia and Ukraine? Like, it's pretty much the same as it was last time you asked me, like these things don't move quickly. And it's like this tension that just builds up, builds up, builds up. And it's like, when is it going to explode? Or is this going to just keep building for a long time or will it taper, you know? And so it's this stress that's just, I don't know, it affects so many people and like, it's not like a war back in, you know, before internet and before, you know, <clears throat> before communication was, was an easy thing. This is, this is something that is very, very easy to see because of the internet, you know, we all know about it. So it does affect people quite largely. Um, anyway, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and give us your, uh, what was the topic? Things that could be affecting your sales right now. Take us to Andrea's check section. I'm going to take us to my section of happy thoughts. (laughs) Okay. So the things that I put down are things that I'm seeing a lot in, in my readers in the emails I'm getting. um, And then just from interacting with uh, people I know who are big time readers and like my family and all of that. But so the first one is labor shortages. Uh, Even if you don't own a company, many people are affected by the shortages that are happening across the nation. And I don't know how they're uh, internationally, how things are going, but like, so for example, Nolan works in a lab. Uh, They've been very understaffed because some people who were, had to take time off for COVID haven't returned yet. Um, And we don't obviously don't know why, right? Everybody has different reasons. Um, But those who are there still are very overworked. Like there's just never ending 
and a never ending supply of things that need to be done. And when you're spending most of your time stressing about keeping a job or stressing about managing that job and, or doing what it takes to keep the company working, depending on your role in it, you don't have as much time to read. And like I said, I've seen this in uh, a lot of the day-to-day rubber hits road, um, functioning of just, just my, my local community. A lot of people are really struggling from that. Uh, you go through the McDonald's fast food drive through and there's like three people or two people inside a dinner rush. And, and, um, we don't generally go to McDonald's, but, um, um, yeah, anyway, sorry, it's just rabbit hole, avoiding the rabbit hole anyway, but just, just seeing people complaining on Facebook about, oh, I was treated so poorly. And I'm like, well, there's like two of them and they're running this place that usually needs like eight people to keep it functioning. So that's just affecting a lot of people. Um, and then the next thing on my list is ment- mental illness, um, with everything going on, especially after so many months of isolation from COVID mental illnesses are on the rise. A lot of my readers have mentioned they're struggling to do things they normally enjoy. And I know this is not limited to just romance readers. Um, so when we are, when we are depressed, we don't always want to do anything, even the things that make us happy. And so, I mean, you, you reach the point where you're running to those arms of that fiction book, you know, and. And then, or you get to the point where you just can't, you know, and it's, it's a mental, it's that mental health thing. And then we talked about this quite a bit before we started recording, but um, housing um, demand is still high, but rent and interest rates are really insane right now. Uh, If people can't relax about their basic needs, like where they're going to live, they won't be able to delve into books as easily. Those are my happy thoughts. Uh, Joe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, again, these are excellent points. The housing crisis in particular, like one a thread that we're having through all of this is like, you know, the, the, the hierarchy of needs, uh, reading is further up the, 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 the hierarchy of needs, you know, buying books and, and having leisure time. It's pretty high up there. So when you're concerned about if you're going to have a roof over your head, uh, or if you're going to be able to put food on the table or pay your, pay for electricity, uh, reading gets knocked off the list, you know, like, like it's weird to call like a, a $4, uh, ebook, a luxury, but the time to read a $4 ebook is, uh, absolutely a, a valuable piece of time. And, and if people are, are fighting for other stuff and they're, you know, it's an easy thing to remove from your budget. Yeah, the theme here is um, people either having less money or there's so much news, bad news, like oh, recession coming, you know, you got to tighten up that they don't want to spend it as much. Or, you know, I've seen news where people, even if they're doing okay, more there's more people taking out credit card debt right now, which is awful because credit card rates are getting horrible. I mean, they were always horrible. I don't know. Is there a noticeable difference between a 20% annual percentage rate and like 24? Um, but yeah, I am curious on the note, on the labor shortage note, have you guys seen anything as authors? Like, I feel like my editor and people have still been pretty easy to come by. Like anybody, I feel like there's still anybody that's working from home and can, especially if they can do that as their side hustle or what, you know, that they're still pretty available. But have you guys found that? Um, my, my editor's life is insane right now. And so I wasn't able to have her edit the last two books that I released because she's just, she's, you know, on the other side of the, you know, the, all the inflation issues. And so, so it's a been, it's affected me, um, cover design, not so much just because I've been doing my own covers again, which, you know, I, I, we always say don't do, but I love doing them. And so romance ones take me like 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so it's not a big deal, but so, but yeah, with my editor, yeah, it's definitely affected me. My editor is busy. Uh, mostly I, I'm, I'm lucky enough that my editor sort of 
sees her her uh, schedule filling up and and uh, lets me know so I can get my my slots in there. Sometimes well well ahead, like I'm booked. I think I have slots in 2024 at this point. Um, my cover guy. I uh, typically my co- my covers. Uh, I can get in touch with him, and within a month he's got this stuff. And it's been eight weeks, and I just contacted him again today, and he says you might have room for me next month. So, yeah, I'm having a little bit of labor labor issues as well. Yeah, I guess I feel fortunate that mine's been all right. But I have heard from a couple editor friends that they've had um, people dropping on them that were scheduled for work and pulling back, whether they're just not ready or they've decided they can't do it right now. So hopefully editors will be able to continue to find work so that they're there for us when we need to hire them, right? And because we all want everybody to be gainfully employed if they wish to be. All right, I'm passing it to you, Joe, for a few more fun (laughs) doom and gloom things to talk about yeah we're, we're coming back with, with just rosy stories today well we do uh, have ideas at the end so keep yeah. listening to or at least help get the sales going yep uh all right so uh like sort of and as an add-on to like what we're talking about here just general global upheaval we've had some of the most intensely impactful few years in in, in recent memory the last few years like covid came along and uh upset Every, everyone's way of life drastically changed for years. Uh, then there was associated supply chain issues uh, and, you know, lives have had to be rearranged and reconfigured because of all sorts of things. And they continue, even if you ignore like the recent developments involving the economy and, and, and uh, you know, inflation and all that, just even if none of that had happened, a lot of people's lives look nothing like what they looked like two years ago, three years ago. And uh, when that happens, the habits and rituals and day-to-day stuff that people do starts to look nothing like they did a few years ago as well. So, I mean, for me personally, even uh, a minor thing like eliminating my commute when I went full-time author uh, also eliminated almost all the time that I spent reading. It turns out I don't usually read unless I'm like, you know, in in a situation where I must sit still for a long period of time. So once I stopped commuting, I stopped reading. Like I was mostly reading nonfiction once I started writing anyway, because of, because of the fear of plagiarism that I foolishly had. But that went away too. Like I have read maybe six books that weren't for you know utility utility purposes for my career uh, since I started writing because that small change to my life completely eliminated. It. And we've had some much larger changes than that. So now that people are largely behaving as though the pandemic is over, maybe things are going to start going back to normal. But lots of people have made permanent changes, either on purpose or just as a consequence of this stuff. Uh, Aside from that, um, demand saturation and tapering growth. This is less to do with current recent events and more to just a general trend. But like, look at online streamers for an example of this. It's not a direct example to what we're talking about, but it's it's more of the same. For nearly a decade, digital sales and streaming were seeing explosive growth, uh, and there were Netflix was spending more than basically all of broadcast television building up their uh, their lineup. Uh, and now, virtually every streaming platform is starting to tighten their belt because the growth is over. People who will adopt have adopted, so now it, we're reaching a plateau. And it was the same thing with uh, with uh, eBooks for a long time. They were selling, you know, there was a there was a increasing adoption rate for e-readers and for you know just electronic reading systems not just the the dedicated devices but your phones as well and now the market is basically saturated everyone who will be using uh, uh, an e-reader has already got one and now you're just the next you know generation of people who are able, able to get phones and stuff as opposed to getting a huge untapped market 
And when that happens, the upward trajectory of earnings starts to flatten out. And, you know, it doesn't, the number of people selling books hasn't decreased. So uh, you end up with a situation where the books, you know, the market uh, uh, is a little bit harder to get a chunk of. And, uh, and also there's the declining of old guard platforms. This has to do particularly with ad platforms. Like for a long time, number one and number two, in terms of day-to-day advertising for authors has usually been Amazon or Facebook, but Facebook's usership is starting to wither and the uh, changes in the way that people use Facebook and changes in the way privacy has done has changed the way the effectiveness of different types of advertising. And that makes it harder to get your book noticed, you know, replacement platforms don't have a one-to-one tactic for advertising like people are for sure still using social media and still using the internet as much or more as they ever did but if you depended upon getting eyes on your books using facebook uh, and then facebook starts to decline eyes on your books are going to start to decline and you either have to hope that you can hold on to your portion of it uh, adequately or develop the entirely new skill set necessary to hopefully chase the right new platform for for visibility and maybe you choose the wrong one so like as gigantic corporations sort of reach their stagnation point uh the things that you use them for also reach their stagnation point shall i go first (laughs) go ahead ahead, since i was drinking when joe finished (laughs) (laughs) she was drinking wine wine no just kidding (laughs) i'm drinking diet coke so i can be perky for you guys tonight (laughs) Okay. Um, I love your first thought, Joe, on that, because it's true. I mean, schedules, routines really have changed significantly. And a lot of people, um, their lives are very different. A lot of people are like, well, I kind of liked being home and not going to work. And so they've changed. And uh, I have several friends who now uh, work from home permanently, you know, and a lot of companies, once they realize that, that, um, remote work could fit, you know, could function for them. They got all of that set up so that they wouldn't die during COVID. They got all that set up. They didn't send their people back into work again in the physical locations. And so, um, new schedules, new, um, new habits, new, all of that stuff. That's a really, really good point. You know, we get into our new routines and I think that eventually even a new routine, somebody who's addicted to reading is going to eventually return to reading, but whether, or want to return to reading, but whether or not they are able you know, like what you were saying with your commute, you know, that's, that remains to be seen. And of course it is definitely affecting things. It was actually interesting, just as an aside for me, when I became a full-time author, I stopped wanting to read completely. Like my eyes would just be so tired from typing at the screen. And I almost a hundred percent now listen to audiobooks. So if something's not on an audiobook, cause I still have that time where I'm walking the dogs or going to working out that, um, I enjoy listening to something. So I'm just, you're kind of out of luck though, if you're not an audio and if it's not a good narrator, that's like a huge decision for me. Um, if I don't like the narrator in the sample, I'm not going to listen to your book either. So it's, I, audio sales have actually held really good firm for me this year. I haven't seen any drop off. Um, so yay for that. <laughs> Ebooks have been down quite a bit. Like I found that the KU stuff is held out pretty good. I feel like those subscriptions are probably going to be the last, one of the last things people give up, but buying books for five dollars uh you know if they're a voracious reader it might be questioning that a little bit more um your point too about demands you know saturation of the ebook market definitely i feel like people have been talking about that for several years and it's it's even more true that it's tough for newer authors to get started if you already have a fan base great you know <laughs> if you can keep them uh, keep satisfying them 
that's uh, useful, but I'm sure I don't want to be too pessimistic on it. I'm sure people that, I mean, it's a good time, always a good time to get started if you're, you've got the time to hustle and, and make things happen and you're willing to maybe study the market a little more than like when we all got started, we just wrote the books of our passions and, and hoped <laughs> and we didn't even know to like go look at the top 100 in your, your genre and Amazon and see what the demand was. Um, and ad platforms. I agree. I just, uh, Andrea is on Facebook more than I am. So maybe you can touch on that Andrea, but I was kind of hoping um, when all this recession started to start recession talk started coming up and a lot of the, uh, like Google and Amazon and Facebook. Facebook's really been hammered, uh, like the stock. Their stuff's been way down. Advertising down. I thought, oh, maybe ads will be cheaper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I'm always thinking about that. But it really hasn't been my experience. It's certainly not on Amazon. I don't know if any, I feel like their ad platform is chugging along, making them tons of money as usual. Um, Facebook, Google, I think are making a little less right now, but I'm not sure that's translated into lower bids for for us authors selling our five dollar ebooks uh what do you think about that andrea um i i i don't know like my last book launch it could be related to that my last book launch didn't go super well um and i'll talk about that in my news a little bit uh so for every dollar i was spending i made 25 cents and i just could not get the book to 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 take off and um I don't know. Um, I did pull my readers and it was one of the tropes they liked the least. <laughs> so I was like, why is this not selling? Okay. None of you want to read it. Even though when they read it, you know, they liked it, you know, but anyway, so um, my Facebook ads, I don't know. I didn't really notice a huge difference other than the fact the book that just the book didn't want to sell. <laughs> so, yeah. So yes, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely had the experience of uh, some books just respond better. They're too, more to market. They're more what people want. And you can earn out the advertising on one book if it's really, uh, you, you. it helps you get in some organic reach too. Uh, Joe, any more thoughts before we move on? Nope, I think we can we can continue. All right, we're going to do a few more things that are just things that are maybe not possibly a concern right now, but maybe to keep in mind for uh going forward because they could continue to affect sales or start to affect sales. And uh, a couple of mine were, you know, obviously the potential for further global instability at, at a point if the whole world gets sucked into war, nobody's going to be worried about eBooks. Um, and the fact that inflation, I've heard really smart people on both camps say like inflation's com- coming down now. It's going to be less of a problem. And others say it's going to continue to be higher over a longer term, it's going to be harder for them to fix things than, than they think possibly. So if that's true, it, it is something we will have to, you know, deal with as a, as authors, you know, being prepared to pay more for services, raising prices on our books, potentially hoping we still have readerships at the higher prices. Uh, you know, that's where it really, you want to be somebody that has pricing power where people just love your books and love your style. And you're not just writing, the you know something kind of interchangeable because it's a formulaic next you know thing that's selling right now and you're you know people just read the next one of those rather than falling in love with your writing necessarily um something else to keep in mind and i i bring this up often and i have not heard anything to suggest this is looming so i don't want you know don't worry about it just keep it in the back of your mind is someday it could happen it's just that the 70 percent royalty might not be forever when we first got started I think maybe 2008, actually, even before my time, it was 35% at Amazon. And the other stores weren't even online yet with self-publishing. And 
it's just a reminder, a lot of these corporations right now are cutting costs. They're um, telling people, they're firing people that don't want to work from the office. They're getting rid of anybody that's like not as valuable, laying off people. Uh, Google's like cutting, uh, coming, cutting down on some of their programs that aren't profitable. And that's just easy fruit if, uh, if they decide that they need to cut back and make, you know, Amazon's always kind of borderline <laughs> on whether they're profitable or not anyway. So again, I have not heard that just a, a possibility. So it's just have a backup plan in case suddenly if you rely heavily on Amazon and it's ever KU income gets cut down or, or that royalty gets cut down. One more thing to keep in mind, uh, and this is definitely a long-term thing, not anything you got to worry about next month, but just sort of the demographics. Uh, the f- boomers are, I think in 2020 or 2019 was the median age boomers started entering uh, retirement and they'll be passing on. And the following generations are smaller. Um, in the U- U.S., we have a good sized millennial generation. A lot of the other major countries around the world did not have as big of a generation. And it's good that we have those millennials because they reputedly read a lot, which is awesome. <laughs> um, but in other countries, don't have that cohort necessarily or not as large. And so there's actually a lot of talk of population decline around the world. And we were talking about ebook places being saturated already. So suddenly, not suddenly, but over time, you have fewer readers and there's a lot more books there. It's just something to keep in mind. I actually checked out of curiosity which generation reads the most. And, I assumed it would be boomers because they're retiring. They have the most money uh, as a you know cohort. Uh, and I thought, oh, those would be the people. And I'm sure there are lots of boomers that read. But it's actually millennials that were reading the most uh, as far as fiction and that kind of thing. Gen X, that's my generation. Apparently, we read news articles online, which is sadly true for me these days. I do still enjoy my audiobooks, But uh, yeah, and then um, we'll see with the... Gen Z is another smaller generation because Gen X was a smaller generation. So big generations have big, bigger generations. And of course, smaller generations have smaller ones. So just something to keep in mind. And of course, AI produced content. We're seeing more and more of that. We will have to, as authors, as Joanna Penn always says, double down on being human and try to offer something unique that cannot be easily replicated by a increasingly sophisticated software programs out there that can you know, write a story or <laughs> very quickly and pretty, you know, it won't be that long before this stuff is hard to, uh, hard to distinguish. All right. Do you guys have any thoughts on those? Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, the royalty thing I often think about, and, and I was talking to my brother uh, about uh, stuff I'll be mentioning in my news as, as well, but um, like, any it's one of the reasons that that uh, I never ever went fully all in on any one's uh, storefront is because uh, once that happens if they even if even if everyone else stays with good with good royalty rates uh, you're beholden to the people who might drop it uh, so that's always a concern of mine uh, and also like the AI, AI thing I've been uh, I've been watching over time I've 15 years ago, uh, I went to, uh, I was invited to talk at my college, which I, I'm a computer engineer, according to my college, <laughs> and, but uh, they were happy to have an author there just as a, as a different face. And I was talking to software engineers and they, he was saying like, oh, in five years, you're not going to have a job anymore because they'll be writing books. And I was like, I hope you're wrong. And then five years passed and uh, they were wrong, but they'll be less wrong with each progressive year. 
I have not seen any long form like novel style. Uh, I, like AI can now write articles and essays uh, with remarkable, uh, you know, humanity to them. Uh, I'm unfamiliar with their current state in terms of I don't know if a if, a, if an AI has ever written a a novel series yet, but it's a thing to think about. Uh, and also, it's funny because a lot of the authors that I've spoken to are super excited that they're going to be able to do I, uh, AI narration and AI cover generation. And I gave AI narration a try. I'm not a huge fan. Um, uh, I'm probably never going to do AI cover generation because I know too many uh, artists and they would find me and kill me. Uh, so I don't want that to happen. But like all these things are absolutely valid uh, concerns and they have been weighing in with increased heaviness on my mind. I just wanted to add, um, I actually just saw a tweet from one of the cover illustrators I've used for my Death Before Dragon series, and she's amazing. Her work is great. Um, and she was saying she got an email from somebody programming AIs or whatever, and they wanted to have permission to use her art to train their AI to copy her art. <laughs> I'm just like, that, can you imagine that might happen to us one day? That, hey, we like your humor and your dialogue. Can we use it to train our AI? I'm like, yeah, $5 million in there. <laughs> but I'm sure they wouldn't even offer to pay you, you know, or a very minimal amount. Uh, so it's a thing. Yeah, it was actually, my comment was going to be, um, okay, so first inflation, I don't think anything's going to get any better. I think we're in, in this, this is going to be a while before things write themselves. Um, but also, yes, the AI thing, like Nolan and I had a conversation about this yesterday, and I don't know if you guys on Facebook um, ears are going to burn Derek and Dean, um, Dean from Neo stock and Derek Murphy. They had a conversation that was rather interesting to read on Facebook about, and sorry guys, if you're listening <laughs> about, um, AI and Nolan is a professional illustrator and talking to him about it. Um, it was actually a lot of the AI was trained using people's artwork, but without getting permission. And so Nolan's super, super opposed to AI created illust art because I mean, he is an illustrator, you know, it's what he does, but also just, he was just so offended on behalf of the artists who'd had their work used, you know, to create and train stuff. But I honestly believe you can't stop technology. I mean, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I, I hate streaming. I would rather have owned DVDs. I I'm opposed to a lot of the new technologies come. I'm like streaming. What if your internet goes down and then you can't watch any movies, you know? And my younger brother who is solidly a millennial would be like, yeah, that doesn't happen very often. I'm like, yeah, but what if it did? <laughs> and I'm like, with things, how they are now, there's a lot of uncertainty, you know? And so I'm, I, I'm just saying like, we don't, we resist change. And there's a lot of people who really, really strongly oppose AI you know, bots reading books, you know, for audiobooks or creating them and all that. There's a lot of opposition to it, but technology has a way of forcing itself into areas that people don't want it in. And then other people who don't care as much adopt it. And that's, it's going to happen. I mean, it's unfortunate in some cases, you know, especially for my poor husband who is very cranky about it, but <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. Right. It's like, you were going to have to really focus on being brands and um people and making which is hard as an introvert as a, somebody who does as a hermit you know like I don't want to be on the internet you know but try to make your fans want to support you not just read your work but like know you as a person and care and that will probably become increasingly more important and the, it, as much as we can use 
what comes down the road. You know, I know Joanna has talked about taking her ideas and having the AI write the book or write part of the book and then they edit it however it's working. Um, but, you know, try to embrace it as much as you can, learn what, learn about it so that you're not completely blindsided. Um, but yeah, that's probably enough on that. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, Andrea. I have to say, I was very impressed with you guys. You guys came up with several bullet points for this topic. And I was like, nah, it's just going to be the same. <laughs> it's all going to be the same. Nothing's changing. <laughs> but the one thing that I did think about that is affecting it stuff is, and will in the future is the midterm elections that are coming up. Um, they're not as much of an upheaval as presidential elections, but they do still affect a lot of things. Um, and as we've known, like the last election, the last several presidential elections have really, really messed things up for me royalty wise. Um, I muted myself, <laughs> trying to tab back to my document and mute myself and said, anyways, we know readers do get distracted. We all get distracted by uncertainty and about things and like when we're not sure where things are going, you know, the future of politics does affect us, you know, and honestly, um, I don't know, presidential elections don't affect your day-to-day -day life as much as say, you know, the mayor of your city or the governor of your state. And so those things affect things more, more on the nitty gritty than sometimes a presidential election does, even though we all obsess more over presidential elections. <laughs> Well, we are probably in a time where it's more politically divided than it's ever been. And social media has really highlighted that. So it is like, I won't launch a series. I mean, I'm going to be launching a new series in November, as I say, but midterms, eh, you know, it, but for presidential election, I would probably avoid November for launching books. I can say having released a a book on the day, no, on election day uh, in 2016, that was not a great decision. Uh, it's on the list of decisions I made that were poor. So I could agree that, uh, uh, yeah, elections can have a, a remarkable impact on things. It's just the talk about people not having time to do things. There's also the attention economy. I, it, <laughs> like you're trying to hold somebody with your plot when they're seeing their, you know, way of life might be completely uh, upheaved by someone else's decisions as a result of, you know, watching the, the, the lean go back and forth on the election needle. Yeah. It's a, Anything that's distracting can affect sales. I suppose I'll just go on to my section now. Uh, uh, so other things coming up, uh, broadening entertainment alternatives. So I mean, the whole metaverse thing is at this point still kind of a joke. Uh, and talking about how Facebook is starting to slide, one of the reasons is because they're dumping literal billions of dollars into creating technology that looks roughly like what we had in 2009. Uh, so VR might not be the immediate future uh, of entertainment, but the truth is there's always going to be new forms of entertainment. Uh, uh, and there will always be, you know, tastes of successive generations, like the stuff that you, uh, that you, uh, you know, that you enjoy as a kid, you tend to enjoy throughout your life. I and mean, I enjoyed reading when I was a kid, uh, but people are going to be introduced to entertainment of different forms earlier in their life. And uh, that's going to shape their tastes moving forward. So just that's that's something you got to keep in mind. Is I'm not I don't think books are ever going to vanish. I mean they've been around for a while, and uh, oddly enough, people concern that like oh the internet is going to make somebody uh, is going to make people read less. Well, the internet makes people read and write more than they ever had because the internet is an overwhelmingly a text based communication, or it has been. But now as time goes on, there's more video and there's more you know everything. So again, 
the nature of people's tastes for and, and how they want to spend their money on entertainment is uh, uh, you know it's going to change, and that might lead to decreased sales or at least altered formats for the way that you're going to be selling your stuff. Because remember, a book is also an audio book, and that's a sound thing. And who knows? Maybe 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 AI will start creating little holodeck versions of our books, and people will love those so much they'll pay top dollar. But uh, you gotta you gotta be on top of that. Um, and also, the general attitude that content should be free is, is, is I don't know if it's becoming more prevalent, but it's certainly very prevalent. Where you know, uh, or that the creators shouldn't get paid very much for creating it. Like there, I follow a thing called um, uh, For Exposure. It's a Twitter account called For Exposure, and it's highlighting uh, basically artists and writers and musicians being asked to do their job for free because people are accustomed to getting entertainment for free. Um, you know, almost every form of entertainment has got some sort of ad supported and thus effectively free version. You can have, you know, an ad version of like Spotify, uh, YouTube, you don't have to pay for YouTube unless you choose to, which I do actually, cause I don't want to watch the ads, but like so many of the things, even, and it's not new broadcast television was free. Like so many of the ways that people consume their media uh, is free that there's, Go always going to be a proportion of the of the uh, uh, the consumer that doesn't want to pay for whatever version you're giving them, and obviously um, libraries exist. But generally speaking, books are sort of an exception. Books are the kind of thing that is never. I I I've, I recall there being sort of attempts at ad supported, uh, uh, you know, Kindle unlimited type things, but none of them really leapt forward as a thing that everybody started using. So. When there are so many other things that they can get for free, uh, you might see people sort of weaning themselves off of stuff. KU will probably be one of the last ones to go because it is a fairly cheap way to get an effectively unlimited number of books. But yeah, like just as the type of entertainment that the the consumers want might change, the willingness to compensate for that entertainment might change too. Did you want me to go first, Lindsay? Go ahead. I'm still clearing my throat over here from choking. I'm glad Joe was talking while I was drinking <laughs> ineptly. <laughs> okay. Uh, again, I love these these comments that you've got right here. Um, so yeah, definitely with the ads and stuff like that. Yeah, books. I remember when that was going on, all those people trying to get books inside their Kindles. And I was like, it never took off, even though I don't understand why not. Because I mean, I don't, it wouldn't bother me to be reading an eight hour book and have an ad in the middle of it, <laughs> but maybe that's just me. Uh, and I was raised on the ads every 10 minutes on TV growing up, you know, and, and that's also something that I've been really surprised at, that a lot of these things didn't do earlier, you know, like Amazon with their freezy, they just barely started maybe not barely, but we just barely discovered it a couple, like a couple months ago. Uh, but it's, it seems kind of like they should have done that a while ago. You know, most of us are, most of us, younger kids aren't younger kids, younger people are not used to ads, but those of us who've been around for a while, we're used to ads in our entertainment. And Nolan and I, we just discovered a TV show that I think people should go watch if they haven't already. It's called sprung. It's about a bunch of criminals who get released from prison, right? When COVID hits, they get released because COVID hits. It's funny. (laughs) It's, It's kind of, makes fun of COVID era times and how everybody was in bubbles and paranoid all the time. Anyway, so that's something that we discovered because of Freezy and, and Amazon's doing their, their free with ads option out there. And I, I, I do wish honestly that we could adopt as authors. I would rather, I would rather have indie authors 
uh, continue writing and publishing and able to support themselves and have ads in their books than have people not want ads in books and to have a lot of author careers get get destroyed because of how crazy things are right now. And there's a lot of ways that you can add revenue, add, add, add revenue to a book, you know, and if you have enough, the right kind of sponsors and things like that, but that's just me. I mean, I'm, I want to have my free content that I paid for already and have ads instead of having my favorite authors lose their careers. (laughs) I'm actually surprised I haven't heard of it more, but I always thought as an author, if you had a good size fan base and you could say, yeah, I sell at least 10, 20,000 copies of each book that you could approach the companies you like and see if they want a plug in your book, especially fantasy and sci-fi, it might be a little harder, but if you're writing contemporary stuff, it'd be easy to slip in like the local pizza place. you know. Uh, So I haven't heard too much about that, but you could hypothetically make as much from that, you know, up front as 399 book sales of eBooks. And if you, you know, it would depend on the price that the companies were willing to pay, but I haven't heard people doing that. I don't know how effective just throwing an ad in the middle of a book is or would be. I I did want to respond to the kind of BR metaverse thing and all the distractions. I I definitely agree with that, but I was encouraged by that uh, poll I found that said that millennials were the biggest readers. So that was encouraging to me because I feel like my generation was the first where video games came along. Um, And I wasn't, you know, we had like Atari (laughs) and then Nintendo eventually. Um, so that, but that wasn't the sort of like hyper addictive as like the online stuff. Uh, I feel like I used to be like a really voracious reader up till about 20. That's when, um, EverQuest came out <laughs> and then World of Warcraft. And my reading plummeted at that point to like from just reading everything, four or five books a week to, well, one of my favorite authors come out. Of course, I'll read those. Uh, and now I, you know, I, I still read, but like audiobooks, like I said, so I can, I'm actually not a big gamer anymore. I had to put that aside to become an author and actually finish, start finishing things. But I'm encouraged that there are still people reading that, that hasn't yet destroyed it. Maybe uh, there's more competition than there used to be. But um, do you guys have any more thoughts on that? Or should we finally, finally get to the less doomy part of the podcast where we say what we're doing about this, what other authors can do about it. And uh did yeah. you just say let's do me? Let's do me. Oh let's do me. <laughs> Nobody's gonna do me. <clears throat> can we say that? <laughs> Are we supposed to be a PG show? I don't remember. Uh, I feel like we that had wasn't even that first. was barely that was PG still. <laughs> yeah, that was like the Disney naughty version. <laughs> so moving on to the next topic. <laughs> What can we do about it all? All right. Well, for inflation, kind of the obvious thing is to raise prices where possible, which is it's a frustrating as indie authors that it's not possible for us to go on Audible and raise our prices, although they're already ridiculous. It's just we get such a small cut that we don't feel they are. But with paperbacks uh, and ebooks, of course we can. And on if you do find a way, voices and go into the other audiobook stores besides ACX and Audible, you can set your own prices. I have been talking about this for a while. I still haven't done it. It's just because my catalog is so huge. I kind of want to just go through and do a blanket, a dollar more on everything that's not, you know, like a entry level entry level loss leader free at ninety free or ninety nine cents. And I will one of these days when I'm. I always say when I'm uh, blocked or something, but that's not usually my problem. <laughs> I have other problems, but uh, I always have a number of ideas ahead. One of these days, I'll actually go through and uh, do it to the whole catalog. And I don't know that it would necessarily make a whole lot more money, but at least 
you know, you're kind of keeping up with what's happening in the rest of the world. I, I feel fortunate so far that my editor, uh, audiobook, I think my audiobook person finally did raise her rates, but I haven't had to deal with it a lot. But we're going to start seeing that in our industry if you haven't already see the people we who provide service for us raising rates. And I, I think another way to handle it too is just to focus more on premium content, whether it's through Kickstarter or Patreon or direct on your own site whether you're doing a bundle or something with extra scenes, we've talked about this stuff on previous shows, putting together things that for your super fans that will pay more. Um, even though it's very, it's hard on a lot of people right now and it's getting harder as far as price. There's a whole set of people that, you know, they're fine. <laughs> you know, they, they had, they got their house back in the day and their house has gone up a lot. And even if the, market crashes are so way ahead so they still feel like they have a wealth or they're just having as long as you have a good job and it's uh you're not getting worried about getting fired there are still people with the money to spend um as far as you know changes in stores whether we talked about just the possibility someday ads in the stores might not pay as much in royalties again it's it's not a bad idea to start doing some direct selling ahead of time or have a patreon or start a kickstarter start doing the kickstarters every year so you build a fan base through that just more places where you can control the price not only the price but how much you know with most of those you're going to get more to 90 to 95% of the sales price it's probably like 92, 93 by the time they, the merchants, merchant stuff gets cut in versus being at the whim of like, oh, what's the page rate, read rate going to be for KU this month? I don't know. I won't know until after the month. So that's something to consider. Also, I will say somewhat in contrast with the last thing. For me right now, I'm I'm still wide with a lot of my stuff. I haven't moved a lot more stuff wide. I have found that the KU stuff is holding up better. People are still reading through the subscription service. So, you know, if you're thinking about, if you're in KU, you're married to Amazon right now, and you're thinking about going wide and you really want to, like, I'm certainly not going to stop you. But if it was me, I'd probably wait a year, you know, especially if they're doing, you're doing well. If you're not doing well, change it up, you know, see what happens. Um, But you could still, even if you are in KU and pretty exclusive with your stuff, you could start a Patreon. You know, you can release stuff early before it goes into exclusivity there or Kickstarter, same thing. Just uh, starting to wean away maybe without giving up any of that income right now, since it is, I won't say a sure thing, but uh, probably the last thing, those subscriptions that people give up. Um, And then in as much as your muse might allow, we've talked about how we're not always big right to market people, but it's worth maybe trying to stay relevant and right to with the larger reading generations, keeping them in mind, like the millennials. It, it, it was interesting to me reading that. And I hadn't thought about it before, but the oldest millennials are hitting 40 or have in the last year or two. And it did make me wonder if that's part of the reason why those women's fiction, paranormal women's fiction where the protagonist is 40 and divorced and struggling to make it in the world <laughs> have become such a hit these last couple of years. That probably really speaks to um, even the younger members of that particular generation who have really struggled compared to the previous generations. You know, a lot of them came out of college right into the global financial meltdown and were just years behind uh, on getting into their careers and couldn't find work. And so 
And then, you know, with health prices so crazy high now, they just feel like they really need a lottery ticket to win. So maybe again, billionaire romances, I've always thought like, what is with these billionaire romances? But it's like winning the lottery ticket. And that generation very much feels that they need that to have any chance of being like where their parents were. So just, um, again, you don't have to write to market, but maybe keep in mind that that is a pretty big demographic going forward. You know, lastly, for worse stuff, <laughs> or lastly, for me, not much we can hope except or do except for hope for de-escalation rather than escalation. I do find it somewhat encouraging sometimes to know that this has kind of all happened before and we made it through before. Um, if you haven't read it or heard of him, Neil Howard has a book called The Fourth Turning that's a good read. He's got interviews up on YouTube where he sums things up too. Just sort of the fact, idea that the generational stuff is very cyclical. These things go come and go and it's very predictable. And it's, it's funny because I think he wrote the book about 20 years ago, talking about things that would be happening between like 2020 and 2030, this period of upheaval, because we're that's where we are in the cycle. And it's like, wow, huh? <laughs> and a lot of it is demographics and that kind of thing too. So it's interesting how predictive this stuff can actually be. But like I said, just I, I found it heartening just thinking about like, oh, okay, the world's falling apart, but it happens every 80 years or so or 60, 80 years. So hopefully eventually we'll get through it and kind of go into a calmer period again, if we can keep from destroying ourselves as a species in the meantime, hopefully. You guys have any thoughts on that? Any of that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, so going back to the first list, the, the earlier in the list, uh, uh, raising prices, like I have not raised prices yet. I raised prices a while ago because I started off at like the absolute minimum. And then I realized that I could charge more because people, you know, uh, expected me to actually, <laughs> I've had, I had readers flat out tell me that I should be charging more. Uh, I'm, I'm lately I've been waffling on whether or not I should raise my, my prices now or not. Cause we're, again, we're talking about inflation and obviously raising prices is inflation, but like it also means people have less money to go around and there may be value in being a low price alternative to the folks who are raising prices, but it's a whole balancing thing because I think I sell a whole lot more books. So I don't know. I haven't made any decisions on that, but chances are pretty good. I'm going to be raising prices too. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm talking about the cyclic, cyclic, nature, cyclic nature of all of this. Um, there's, I had uh, a friend of mine was afraid to fly and the thing that helped him get over it was uh you're on an airplane and there's turbulence you talk to yourself well there's going to be you know there's only going to be by definition there can only be a limited number of bumps this plane's going to take so every single bump is one less bump that we're the place that are left to go so you just got to count the bumps and eventually you'll get to zero like as thing when things are rough you know well they can't it can't stay rough forever so every event that gets tougher you just know you're that much closer to the time when things are going to even out. And uh, uh, it's not so much a thing you can do to fix your career. It's just a thing you can do to keep from pulling your hair out and, and crumbling under the stress, uh, because that's sort of what gets you through. Like the people who stick around are the people who are going to make it. That's just the way, that's the way of things. So keeping your, your hopes up and keeping your, uh, your, your motivation high is as important as any other tactic because we're content creators. And if you don't create the content, uh, then you're definitely going to be out of it. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's true. Um, I mean, I think right now is the best time for us to, I don't know if you guys are this way, but, um, 
I, I have ideas for books that I'm really passionate about and really excited to write, but I'm like, no, I'm going to write this one first and not do that one just yet, just because I want to make sure I really hit the ground running with that. And that's kind of the way I didn't, I got through all my fantasy ideas, most of them, but that's the way I'm right now with romance a little bit. And I think right now is the best time to write the things that we are most excited, most passionate about. Um, and bonus, if they can't, it, like if they help you stay relevant and write with like, the, like what Lindsay was saying with those, those, uh, those readers in mind, um, if you can find a way to write what you're very passionate about and do it now before you, before the world blows up around you and you can't write another book, <laughs> sorry. I mean, you don't know what the future is going to hold. So if you, there's something that you're really excited about, do it now. And again, and do it with a business sense, not just because you're passionate about that idea or passionate about the, the series, the characters, all that do it with a business sense. So, you know, take advantage of Kalytics and, and take advantage of what looks like what's actually selling right now. And, um, and not just what's selling right now. I mean, I think that humor, humor, if you put humor, make things lighthearted in your books, that's going to make it sell better in general. Um, just because people need that escape right now. I don't remember which of you said that one of, one of the other two co-hosts was saying something about be funny because people need funny right now. Uh, one of you can claim it or both of you ready, set, go. <laughs> well, I, I just wanted to say too that um, it's a good time. Usually, recessions are only like a year, and then you have like these long stretches of like bull market, you know, things being better. So, even if you something bombs right now, like I had one this summer that I was super disappointed. Like I had one in the spring. I was talking about it on the show, a fantasy romance standalone that that did great by uh, you know by my standards, especially for a standalone. And I wrote another one, and I flipped the trope. And we'll talk about this a little more here in a few minutes when we talk about our stuff. Uh, and I had like the 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 female was the elf and the hunk, the male hunky guy was the human and people were like what <laughs> I'm so not interested in this plus I released it before like Fourth of July and it's sort of the beginning of all this stuff too but it's important to remember that as authors just because like maybe your book that you release this month doesn't do as well as you thought like I'm already thinking like well I'll do another one of those and I'll make it a box set and then I'll you know do that's a new release and so you always with books you can relaunch later you, know, you can uh like i said make it to turn it into a box set as a new launch and you can keep relaunching books you wrote like 10 years ago but um if something doesn't do as well this year as you were hoping it's not a lost cause it's just it's a good time to just knuckle down and if you can you know if you have the attention span for it right now just keep writing and uh, maybe even depending if you're not depending on this income you could just stockpile stuff to do like a rapid release kind of in a year when hopefully things are a little better. and so less, less doom and gloom out there. All right, uh, Andrea, you had a few. I sure do have a few. Okay. So um, this, this is something that we have mentioned in the past. Um, but if things are really bad, consider taking on a part-time job um, just because that having that, that, that stress relief from not being able to, from not being able to meet your daily needs and all that stuff. And, and having that fixed that, that money that's coming in. Sorry, I'm really struggling with English today, apparently. Um, anyway, so having a guaranteed income, regardless of what's going on around, you can really relieve stress. And, and like I said earlier, there's like this huge labor shortage and there's a lot of companies that pay pretty decently that are having a really hard time keeping their their business staffed. And so now's a really great time, especially for people who've not, been in the workforce for a while. Now's a great time to enter the workforce. Um, 
And then also explore, like think about exploring new hobbies or if you like to eat, I mean, who doesn't like to eat? I don't, I can't even fathom anyone who doesn't like to eat. Maybe, maybe eating food makes you feel sick or whatever, but you probably still like the way it tastes. Anyway, um, try out new restaurants, do something like branch into old hobbies or, or get into new ones or something like that that can rekindle your enthusiasm. Cause I think a lot of us are feeling that, that kind of dragged down right now, like that, that fear of the unknown, not no, not sure where things are going and seeing royalties kind of take a dip. You know, I think now is a great time to do something that will rekindle your, 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 um, your enthusiasm and your passion for things. Um, and then next check in with your readers, ask them what they would like to see from you, find out what's going on in their lives. So you can better understand where they're at. You don't have to get super personal with them or personable, but just kind of understanding on a broad, you know, just uh, what's the word, a broad case, what your readers, where your readers are at will help you with, with your business and know where to take things. So like if your readers are not able to, um, they're not able to, uh, buy a whole lot of books right now, or then maybe they're really struggling. Maybe now's not the best time to write something that's super risky or super experimental. Maybe now's the time to put something out that you're, you're, that you're, you know, your readers will love something that's, you know, true and whatever I can't talk. So anyway, so also another thing is reach out to others through service, you know, help another author, pay it forward, create a multi-author promotion, et cetera. Um, multi-author promotions are rarely worth it on a time versus scale money scale, but it builds really great relationships that last for years. Um, and I don't know about our listeners, but when I step out of my comfort zone or away from my hectic stress to help someone else, it's a great reminder that things could be worse (laughs) or, or it's just a great reminder that, you know, that, that other people exist and, and it just, it gives you that boost in, in cheerfulness and happiness and just feels good to do stuff for other people. And so if you don't naturally do that, which I'm not a natural service person, you know, love language, my top one is quality time and then touch. So give me a hug, but don't serve me necessarily. Cause that makes me a little uncomfortable, but, um, I don't naturally serve other people, but when I do it, it does make me feel, it makes me feel better. Right. I mean, I don't think that's going to be a surprise to people, but, um, and again, right now is a great time to build relationships. Uh, things are super difficult. And now like those relationships, you know, we grow together, we learn together. And even if you don't get a lot of monetary benefit from something that's time consuming and difficult. Now it doesn't mean later on down the road, you won't. So, I mean, a multi-author promotion is a really great idea right now, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely agree that like when times are tough and when people need help, people will remember who was there to help them when the time came and people remember you know, like on both sides, if you help, if you're able to help someone, they'll remember. And when, you know, the people you meet on the way up or the people you meet on the way down, like, it's good to have a lot of friends. And if you, if you've got the time, you've got the money, you've got the effort when things are rough, uh, you can build some really strong relationships and you should, and just make, try to things make, make things better across the board. It's a good thing to do. And if you need help and someone else gives it to you, it just, yes. Uh, uh, times are tough. Be kind. It, 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 it helps you as much as it helps them. Um, and also uh, talking about, Checking in with your readers, I, I agree. Um, it's surprising how often you can sort of overlook either uh, what most people started reading your stuff for, because I've been wrong in the past uh, about what I thought was most uh, drawing people in. So being aware of what your current readers want, because they're the ones you should be taking the best care of. But also being aware of if that is 
if what you're hearing from your readers is representative of all of your readers, because you can also have a situation where a handful, like a dozen super fans are completely sculpting the direction of your career. And it turns out their tastes are not representative of the broader market that you've been serving. So two things, just sort of be well-informed. Uh, I agree. And yeah, if, if, if things are hard for you, again, you need to remain functional in order to keep doing this. So absolutely. If you can find a way to take the pressure off, uh, you will probably find that you can uh, you can get a lot paradoxically spending some of your time earning guaranteed income. I mean, this is assuming that you're not you're a full time author who's struggling right now. But like being able to do anything to to as a pressure release uh, is going to help you just think more clearly and, and act more uh, effectively. So yeah, I agree with all of that. Yeah, it's a good time too to start those things where you know in your heart like oh it's gonna take like a year before i like if you do a facebook start a facebook group with some other authors and try to build for the fans for your niche we've talked about on the show how we've seen people do that and have tremendous success when they go launch their books because they've made this eight thousand fan facebook group that loves paranormal vampire what what's it's you know <laughs> the ride motorcycles you know it's like a specific niche but it takes time to build up that group and so in the past you may have thought oh i don't have the time i'd be better off writing but maybe this year things aren't going so well with the writing so yeah get something started and then again when things turn and uh we're back into hopefully boom times there you have this amazing tool that you've built up in the meantime with your your author buddies and of course, the introverts out there are all cringing, like, what? You want me to be social with other authors? I don't know. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. You, so, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be that thing. Um, I would say with the check-in with your readers, good idea, but also look at the sales history. Like Joe was saying, sometimes you've got some vocal readers who are like, when are you going to do another one of these? I want to see the kids of this couple or whatever and uh but you're like looking at your well that was my least well-selling series of all time so probably never uh so maybe just compare it uh, but yeah that's a good point about a lot of times readers want more of what you've already written and they love versus a new series that they don't have anything invested in yet so it depends. I always find it more profitable to write a new series. And I enjoy that uh, because just because it, sometimes when you've written 10, 20 books on something, you have to go reread everything. It becomes a lot of homework. <laughs> but um, right now, if like your new stuff is not doing that well and you have an old series that was a fan favorite and sold well, maybe it's time to do a spinoff of that series or uh, a new installment, something to consider. Especially, you know, there's like a proven fan base for it already might be the kind of thing to do a Kickstarter for too and get paid twice, right? Once for the Kickstarter and once when you release it into the stores. All right, Joe, I think we're going to, I guess we're not wrapping it up because we got to say our news at the end, but almost wrapping up our main subject here. Yep. Um, so some at times like this, I feel like uh, it's useful to, uh, I, I was, what I have written down is avoid going all in with any single technique. I think more accurately is maintain a flexibility. Um, the earliest time in any new opportunity is usually the best time to be a part of it and being locked down to exclusivity or to any other tech to being basically too rigid in your, in your tactics can mean that if something comes along, that seems like it's going to be super useful, you won't be able to jump on it. So I think even like, we'll use it for example, KU, like some people, uh, it's broadly a good idea to be exclusive and uh, to get all the benefits of KU. And some people are making most of their money that, there. And I'm not saying that you should pull your stuff out, uh, particularly not if you're super successful there. 
but having something uh, in your in your toolkit that you can shop around elsewhere and, and test other markets with is super useful. So uh, if you can hold something out, uh, you know, maybe even take keep part of your backlist uh, and just use it for experimental purposes. But keeping your eyes open for new things and giving them a shot with uh, with part of your catalog is one way to either, uh, you know, temper any potential downfall of, of one market suddenly shifting or to, to get in early on a new market that perhaps other people haven't been able to take advantage of because of uh, because of locking themselves down. Uh, and number two, uh, sort of similar, explore new formats. So we're talking about market sat- saturation and all that. And I, there's a, uh, a graphic novel uh, publisher called Iron Circus that's run by somebody named Spike Trotman, who I'd actually wanted to get on this show. But, uh, well, she's incredibly busy uh, because graphic novels are still growing like double digits every year in terms of, uh, in terms of sales. Graphic novels are a growth even now. So... Some people out there, myself included, have got stuff that would that would work very well in a graphic novel format. Now, obviously, there's enormous upfront costs for that sort of thing. But the point is, like, we can talk about how, oh, well, the publishing industry is starting to slow down, reach plateaus and blah, blah, blah. There is always an offshoot. Uh, writing is the basis of literally every other form of entertainment. Uh, and if you keep your eyes open to things that you can potentially experiment in, uh, there's a whole lot of of, uh, of growth available to you. So, you know, keep your eyes out for new avenues of, of fiction, ideally one that won't require a massive outlay, like hiring a, an artist and, and making thousands of dollars worth of illustrations, but just keeping your eyes out for the growth opportunities that are out there and being aware of how well suited you are to them is one of the ways that uh, that you can continue to be uh, profitable, even if you, the market you started off in has become more difficult to to, to, to earn in. And I think a lot of the markets are more difficult. I mean, it's things, there's so many authors now, and there's so many authors that have figured out how to do really well in the different genres and at being that, that cutting edge being competitive is, is more difficult now. And it's a lot harder. I mean, it's even harder than it was when we first started our podcast. It's even harder now to, you know, really, really make a huge splash for a very long time. And so I think it's super important to keep your, um, yeah, to basically keep a, to pay attention to what's going on in the world and, and in the market and so in, in the indie author community, um, especially right now, it's just very important. Um, I'm, I don't know. I would say, I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you, Duke K. I'm, I'm on Facebook about once a month right now. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not the best example of somebody who's keeping up with what's going on in the author community. And so, you know, I had my big burnout and I kind of had to make a decision. Either I keep up on social media and I keep listening to all the author podcasts and I do all of that, or I write books. And it kind of got to the point where I just needed to, to write more books. And so I think there's a fine line. If you're, if you're just starting out, or if you don't have a whole lot of books available, you're going to have find a lot of value in keeping up with what's going on still in the indie, in the, in the indie community, you'll hear about things that, you know, that, others might not hear about for a little while. So I think there's a lot of value to that. And then also, I also think there's a lot of value to writing, just writing, 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 and not letting things distract you. Um, But then again, it's kind of hard to publish a book and be like, why is nobody buying it? Oh, there's a war. Wait, what? (laughs) So so you kind of got to keep up with some things, but I think there's also some value in not necessarily 
following all the new trends and things like that. But when you're, when you've been doing this for a while, I wouldn't recommend that necessarily for somebody who's new, especially while you're still learning how being an indie author works. So I don't know. I mean, I agree with that. And then there's my two pieces that are kind of all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. I think the last thing I'll say on this is that, you know, it's probably actually a good time to just kind of knuckle down and, and work hard and you'll, you might not see the rewards right away. But like I was talking about a few minutes ago, books are forever. You know, <laughs> if it doesn't sell this year, relaunch it next year. Stockpile stuff when um, things aren't doing as well if you want and do a big release later. Uh, you know, there's a lot of like businesses have been started during times of recession that are doing really killer right now. So it's kind of a time where if you can make it through, uh, you know, not give up it's a good sign. Like you might have a really strong career going forward. Um, a lot of people give up when, um, you know, these times are, it's like, oh, advertising is too expensive. It's not as effective. I'm not selling as many books. It's really easy to give up in those times, especially if it's something you got into partially for the money, maybe not just because it was sort of like your passion that you always wanted to be a writer as a kid or whatever. Um, so, you know, you have to decide during this, these harder times, like, is it, worth it to continue and if the answer is yes uh maybe it'll be worth it even more later on like there we plant the seeds and uh what is the there's some bible saying reaping what you sow later i don't know but this is probably a time for that you know planting the seeds and later you'll get to enjoy the harvest oh isn't that nice and poetical (laughs) all right you guys have any more thoughts on that should we jump into our finish up with our own news stuff I think we're ready for news. All right, Andrea, give us news. Okay, some news. All right, so um, I had the summer from hell. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that went on this summer. It was pretty challenging, but Nolan had shoulder surgery that was, it was major. He's still, it's been since July, he still is not okay to lift things at all. So, and it's his dominant arm. And so he's just, yeah, it's been really challenging. And, and it, he's got another month before he can lift things again. And then at that point, he can only do resistance bands. So he can't lift more than five pounds. And then that's for several months. And so it's just been, it's been a hard summer. Um, our, I have a close family member who got diagnosed with an aggressive cancer. I got kicked out of my book club, <laughs> which is a whole story of its own. Insane. Okay. I got kicked out because I offered opinions that didn't go with everybody else's. Like I said, well, I didn't really like this part. <gasps> you can't come anymore. And that was after a year of attending. They just didn't like that. I would find things that I didn't like about books. And I was like, isn't that what a book club is? Anyway, I digress. <laughs> anyway, I legit legitimately got kicked out in front of the whole book club and it was, it was really bad. Um, let's see. So our yard has been run overrun by wildlife. That's been a huge issue. Like we put a lot of work into our yard and we had gophers tunneling up underneath this patio that we put in that cost us thousands of dollars when we bought the house last year. It's, it's been really bad. And, um, anyway, so I've got, and I've also got two surgeries coming up one in November and one in December from injuries just because of my connected tissue disorder disorder. So things have been pretty challenging. Um, not everything, of course, um, I built a Fort Knox chicken coop and I posted pictures in the Facebook group for those who are interested. It's super cute. I think so. Anyway, it's like, yeah, I, it's cute. Uh, it took me over two and over two months to do. And, and the game that I have a YouTube channel for oops, as I drop stuff, my, my fidget toys, um, the game I have a YouTube channel for took Nolan and me to Los Angeles for an invite only event. And we got to walk a red carpet. It was so awesome. Like they wined and dined us and it was 
phenomenal is one of the best things I've ever experienced. And that's not, that's not book related guys, but it's creative related because, you know, I've, all my outlets are create creative outlets. Um, on the book front, I have definitely seen a hit on my royalties. Um, I've launched two books since our last episode. The second one I'll talk about first, it didn't do super well. Um, and like I mentioned, I pro- uh, did I mention to you guys or I mentioned in the podcast, I can't remember what we talked about beforehand and what's on the show, but I pulled my readers, found out that the trope that I picked was the, was one, their least one, the least most requested trope. Um, and for every dollar I spent, I made 25 cents. It just, it tanked so bad. But the one that I launched before that is still doing well. And it did it. That launch was a phenomenal launch. It was super exciting. And um, I'm still writing on those royalties for every dollar I spent on that launch. I made $2 and sometimes even $2 and 50 cents. And so it was, I was just throwing as much money at it as I could. I was like grabbing money from like the couch cushions and stealing my children's money and stuff like that. But um, anyway, so that book, honestly, when I pulled my readers and I pulled my readers after the one that didn't do well, went out. Cause I was like, Hey, why did this not go well? And and I found that the trope that, and I didn't tell them, I tried not to have lurking variables. I didn't say, Hey, this is the trope of the book that didn't do well. I just said, Hey, which of these do you prefer? And that book, the one that did really well was a mashup between the two most requested tropes. And so I accidentally hit on something really good before without knowing it. And of course I want to go back to that. Right. But it's really hard to replicate something that did well. It's like, okay, so what did I do that was so good? And can I replicate it without writing the same story again? Um, anyway, so my plan moving forward. Um, I am, my books are, if they're not already, they're going to be in Kindle countdown promotions, all of them, every single one I wrote, I've written in 99 cents and free just because I'm like, I got to do something to move things. And either I can raise the prices, but my books are already 499. So I was like, okay, I can either raise the prices or I can drop all the prices on all of them. So I'm dropping the prices on all of my books, not including the box sets because having the box set be 99 cents and then the individual books being 99 cents each didn't make sense. So the box sets, I'm not dropping the prices on those, but dropping the prices on every single novel I've written. And, um, November, December, I'm not going to be doing a whole lot of writing. I actually, I was telling Lindsay and Joe on Twitter that I'm probably going to finish that series. The one that totally destroyed me emotionally that didn't do well. I've it's, it's very, very slowly, very, very slowly. It's gaining traction. And honestly, out of all of my books that I've written, that series is the one I'm still hearing about. And, um, maybe it's because it's the most recent and people work from, you know, the start of my series. Cause most of my series are interrelated. I don't know what it is, but there's something about that series that is still drawing in readers, even though it's at a slow trickle. So I'm like, you know what, it might be worth it at this point to finish that series in the middle of my surgeries, just because it's already written. I just need to edit it, you know, that book. And so I'm going to, I might do that, um, but I will definitely be hitting the ground running in January, possibly February, depending on how my knee surgery in December goes. I'm super excited to get back to writing these, the last few months have been difficult because that transition period we're in with, with Nolan's surgery and all that. And I haven't been able to do any writing, um, but I'm taking this time to analyze uh, my romances and figure out which tropes and characters to pursue. Um, and I'm probably going to be taking a break from writing medical romance. I don't know yet. Um, I discussed with, and I don't know if that person would be okay with me saying what we discussed, so I won't use that person's name, but, um, an analyst, somebody who, you know, analyzes everything. And I've come to recognize that medical romance isn't strong enough to support an author career yet. So for those who, I know there's a lot of romance authors that are branching into, into medical romance right now, just to give you guys an idea of how it's going. When I launched my last book, 
that didn't do super well, it hit like number 10 on medical romance or maybe number two or number three. I don't remember. It was really high up and it did very poorly. And so I'm like, if it's this high in medical romance, it's, it's not a good sign for the genre itself. There's a reason it's not taking off super strongly. Maybe people just don't care so much about medical stuff right now with COVID and that might change in the next few years, but I don't know. It's just not strong enough to support an author career for me yet. And the analyst was the one who said that he's he, she, sorry. (laughs) This individual was like, um, before even hearing necessarily what I was thinking was like, yeah, I don't think medical romance is going to be able to support your career or support an author career anyway. So I'm probably going to branch into other subgenres of what those are going to be. I don't know yet. Um, I just need to just see where my muse takes me, what I'm most excited about. Uh, I have been able to, I've proven to myself that I can write a romance that's too trope and that readers enjoy and readers like, and I didn't really fully prove myself, prove that to myself when I wrote fantasy, because my fantasy was always off trope and off, off market. It was never to market and it did really well, but I worked super hard. I never had a book that took off um, unexplainably almost I, all of them, I could totally pinpoint when I was working hard and when they did well versus when I let things coast. And with romance, my romance has coasted for a lot longer. And so I'm like, okay, so my romances are more to trope and they're more what, what readers are looking for. And I don't feel like it's as, as a sellout just because I love writing romance and, um, I do miss writing fantasy. So anyway, so that was a lot more than two paragraphs, which is all I had in my notes section. <laughs> so that's all from me. I'll just say I had that same experience with steampunk. Most of my stuff that's done well that has steampunk elements can also go into epic fantasy. But the steampunk genre, it's very, it's a very uh, popular aesthetic with the clothes and there's some fun music. But I, I always found that, you know, you was really easy to rank in the genre on Amazon because there just weren't that many. You know, there's a few fans, but there weren't that many people really looking for it and reading it. So uh, and I was never all on board with like the real tropey, two trope Victorian kind of stuff. But, um, so, you know, it's not that you can't do well in those smaller genres, but yeah, sometimes it makes sense to try another one that's a little more still hungry, you know, not oversaturated, but maybe a bigger reader base. Like if you're looking on Amazon, say in the top 100 books, like you go to a hundred and it's like a ranking over 50,000, like I'd probably avoid that one. <laughs> That's how steampunk, the last time I looked, it was definitely like that. Um, and I feel like we had the same experience with re- releasing romances this year. With, like the first one did well. And it was exactly sort of to the, you know, I, in my case also, it was kind of accidental. It was like, I just want to write this. I love elves. I'm going to do elf romance. Um, and then I did the second one. I don't know what your off trope thing was, but it was with me just flipping it where the girl was the elf and the guy was the human people were like "Mm, i'm reading this because i want an elf nobody wants a human (laughs) so go ahead joe why don't you talk about your news before i'll I'll share mine at the end okie doke um so i did some fun stuff uh since the the last show uh cam shay invited me to part of uh her virtual convention and i was interviewed and i also played a game of D&D live with an audience, which is particularly notable because I've only played three games of D&D total, and that was the third one. So uh, good news, I didn't die. Uh, I didn't even have to be rescued by a, a Dusex Machina because uh, I, I would have still had a hit point even without the mysterious health refill I received. So that was fun. Um, in terms of uh, book performance, I had said, uh, I had I'd remarked when we were about to do this podcast that my update is a big bummer. So stand by for bummer. Uh, my book 
performance has been in steady decline and has been for a while. Uh, I could blame the market. Uh, I could blame some recent health struggles, uh, stuff like that. And those are certainly contributing factors. But basically, I've slid into sort of a bad brain place recently. And it's hamstrung my ability to really hustle sufficiently to keep the income up. Like I've been writing books. I've been finishing them. I haven't missed any deadlines, but I've just been pushing them out into the world and starting the next one. I haven't done much of the due diligence. And so, you know, less hustle means less successful output, means more economic slide, means more bad brain, means less hustle, and it just cycles. Uh, Big old negative feedback loop. And there's very little wrong with my sales. It probably couldn't be turned around 80% just by doing more of what we always advise that you do when we talk on this show. I continue to be the do as I say, not as I do guy. Uh, So don't fall in a brain hole. It's a bad thing to do. Uh, uh, The money is, is... it's flowing at a barely sustainable rate right now, but as uh, I mentioned before the, the show, just chatting with uh, with Andrea and Lindsay, uh, I'm about to enter a situation where I'm going to be having to pay a little bit more every month. So if I was meeting, ends were meeting just barely now, they're not going to meet then. So point is, chances are pretty good unless I really manage to turn things around in a very short order. Uh, I will probably be getting a day job again. I'm not going to stop writing uh, because frankly, I have to like as as difficult as it is to maintain mental health while writing maintaining mental health without writing is even harder you'll note the thing that I continue to do is writing and the thing that I started to slide on was everything that wasn't writing (laughs) so uh, I'll still be a writer and who knows maybe you know I have a couple of things in the works that uh, could turn things around but right about now you know working 40 or 50 hours and getting paid my salary times 40 or 50 as opposed to working between 10 and 100 hours and getting paid between three and five figures, depending on whim, (laughs) I I feel like a little stability might help my brain a little bit. Um, Yeah, so end bummer. Uh, As for like just general stuff, uh, I have completed the Greater Land Saga, my epic fantasy. It's uh, six books. Book six is done and edited. I'm just waiting, as I mentioned uh, in the labor shortage portion, I'm waiting for the cover. But after that, that'll get that'll be released before the end of the year. Absolutely. Um, according to beta readers, uh, this uh, Greater Land Saga is one of the they one of their favorite things that I've read. Uh, I've written uh, in in the past, and to the point where, again, I say I have completed the series. But uh, most of the people who have beta read book six have informed me that I have, in fact, not completed the series because they have a number of questions that they would like me to answer. (laughs) So it's possible a seventh book is in the works uh, or maybe some sort of a spinoff. Who knows? But that's that's neither here nor there. I'm also uh, uh, working on finishing a project that I've been picking up and putting down for years. This is uh, Rise of the Red Shadow 2, a sequel to a prequel, (laughs) which is, again, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, don't do that. That's a tr- that's a tricky thing to write and a tricky thing to sell. But uh, it is in the Book of Deacon series, which has not had a new release in a long time because I had completed that series. So I kind of want to close up shop and fill in the gaps. Uh, and it's going to be a monster. This might be two books. Uh, it's already 215,000 words. And there's at least one more, uh, we'll call it episode, to be written. So this might be a 300,000 word monstrosity before it's done. And I would like to be able to split that in two. Um, what else? I have just written a sequel to my ill-fated superhero satire. I didn't write it. I wrote it a long time ago. I just edited uh, a sequel to my uh, superhero satire uh, just to finish off that series. Uh, that's going to go out pretty soon. I 
probably will be going back and filling in the uh, a remaining book or two in the urban fantasy. You're going to notice the theme of tying up loose ends and a lot of what I'm what I'm planning. These are not economic decisions. These are well, you know, if I'm going to start slowing down, I don't want to leave people hanging on stuff. I'm trying to be I'm trying to be friendly to my readers. And uh, NaNoWriMo is coming up. As it stands now, I'm planning to do a sci-fi story in my Big Sigma setting. Uh, I had asked a while ago what I had not written in a while that people wanted more of, and overwhelmingly the answer was Big Sigma. So I'm thinking of making this, it's either going to be just a flat out, you know, short-ish novel, or it might be the first part of sort of a rapid fire short novel series. Like I might be starting a new arc basically with this, but it depends on how quickly it flows and, and, and uh, how close to the end of the uh, narrative arc I come once I hit the end of NaNoWriMo. And then just scattered other things that are sort of a question mark after that. I, ha- I, I will be restarting a new series, but I have not planned it yet. I'll be start the planning process and everything in January, I think. And um, I'm thinking of doing a Kickstarter at some point. I have a Patreon. The Patreon has continued to have a new short story or novella every month. But I, uh, I think I might do a Kickstarter just to fill in some of the audiobook gaps that I have. I have one or two books that for various reasons aren't attractive for audiobook publishers to pick up but are still being requested by fans so maybe a kickstarter and get and self-produce the one or two books that need to be filled in so i have plans for the future in that regard did you have any thoughts andrea and and joe i don't know if you had any thoughts on andrea's either i kind (laughs) of i was like go joe it's your turn give me your news now I, I, I think uh, I have already forgotten because I just I just did my big chunk. Go, Andrea. Have a good time. <laughs> I don't have any thoughts because we've been talking for a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting into that spacey time. Well, I hope everything goes well, Joe. If you decide to, I'd be like out of luck. <laughs> I would have to like just figure out another way to make money on the internet. I have no skills out there that I could uh, give to the world. So you're lucky to be an engineering pro. And I've seen your... um ability to make costumes out of duct tape i'm a little disappointed you didn't wear your costume for this <laughs> especially the boob armor or moob, moob armor <laughs> uh, since you're a dude all right well i guess i'll finish up with mine it's funny i i had the same experience i recently finished my epic fantasy series at book six and a lot of the readers were like well what about this what about this what about this I'm like, hey, I'm not writing another one. You can write some fan fiction if you want. I was super burned out on that series at the end. It ended up being something. And I, it's funny because I'm not a huge reader of epic fantasy for this very reason. A lot of POVs, I usually only get really attached to one or two. And I start to skim as a reader on the other POVs. And I found the same thing writing this. Like I had a couple I really liked. And the other one's like, oh, gosh, I got to write that storyline, you know. And I, by the end, I was just like, I just want to be done with this. And the last book was 190 some thousand words. So I, I, I feel like, I feel like the readers received it pretty well, you know, pretty good. Nothing, nobody's told me anyway. <laughs> I don't go reading read my reviews, but um, I, I glanced at it and just seemed to have a decent average when I looked, but it was definitely one where I liked like two and four, I think in the series, but overall I was like, this is not my strongest series. And I just wanted to be done. And it was kind of funny. I was thinking about this when Andrea was talking that 
and I don't know if this is the case with you, Andrea, and the romance is like, I often, for me, the book that takes off more than other things I've written is, is almost never like, I'm like, oh yeah, that was a really good book. Like I, I really did a good job writing that story. It's usually the opposite. And I, I'm often like, oh, I wish that it wasn't the thing that was more to market and kind of took off. Like I have this other story over here that's like, I feel like is a really strong story. Uh, and I guess that's probably true of a lot of authors. I mean, is that, have you guys had that experience too, where like the thing you is your passion and that you feel like you did a really good job on, it's kind of like crickets or it's just not as much of a fan favorite as maybe some other stuff that you thought was, hey, it's okay, you know? Um, maybe, maybe Becca Syme could explain this about me, but I generally think this is really bad. I generally think everything I write is really great. <laughs> just, I know I don't have that, the, um, imposter syndrome. Like that's something that I don't generally think about, but so I'm always surprised when a book doesn't do well. I'm like, what the heck? That was a really good book guys. <laughs> um, I I'm sheepish to say that, but I don't know, maybe it's a, it's a Clifton strength thing that Beckett Syme could be like, Andrea, and this is why you feel that way. But but generally, I'm, I'm usually caught off guard when something I put everything into doesn't do well. I'm like, what the heck? Why? You know? I've definitely <laughs> had. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I've definitely had situations where um, like I, I well, I've had situations where I thought a book I'd written was pretty weak. And I was like, uh, especially when it's like book six or book five or book four. Like I tend to have a pretty strong arc for the first three books. And then I sort of have a secondary arc for the second three books when I write a book series to be planned for six so book four i'm always like ah, oh, this one this one's sort of a reset uh this, people i might not follow through and i'm uh it, in particular with the book of deacon book four which followed up a basically complete uh a, a trilogy like it was supposed to be the end of the story uh so still surprises me if i think it might be one of the strongest selling books in the series which makes no sense because it's not even a starter um and uh more often more often I find that I'm surprised by how well something I didn't think would do well does. Like I, I'm under no delusions that the pizza dragon book or this superhero satire book or anything like that is going to blow the things out of the water. So when they pay for themselves, I'm surprised. So I guess my expectations start so, so low. I, I tend to be pleasantly surprised as opposed to the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've actually had the experience like of, Often, several times now, I've thought I kind of crafted something that was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty much what the market's going to want. I know, you know, and then it wasn't. <laughs> and other ones were like, I'm sick of my series. I'm going to write a fantasy romance, you know, and like, oh, hey, it did good. I had zero plan for follow up. So it happens to, you know, even those of us who have been writing and publishing for more than 10 years, guys. Um, I guess my final notes is that I kind of relearned this year that I should stick with series, which is exactly like Joe said, what we tell you to do, if at all possible, even if you're writing romances or mysteries where things are resolved at the end of uh, one. Like I know if I had taken, if I'd made the second book, the second uh, fantasy romance, about the same characters that were in the first, it would have sold so much better. People were asking for more of those characters. I'm like, no, it's a new romance with all new characters and they go to a different country. It's completely different. Uh, so I kind of relearned that. And I am working now on a, a new urban fantasy series. And I'm it's it's actually a spinoff of my Death Before Dragon series, which is one that sold quite solidly for me. I, I think it had a week. It's one where I had kind of a week launch because I launched it in March 2020 or the end of February 2020. So there were a few distractions going on at the time, but it, it kind of recovered and it's one that's done well with advertising. Uh, usually, you know, book one 
makes what I spend on advertising and then everything else is, is gravy. So I'm doing a new heroine and a new hero in it so that it can stand alone. People don't have to have familiarity, but I am bringing back the, a lot of the main characters from the last one are side characters in this one. So I think the fans of the original one will all hopefully come along for the ride. And I'm a little, I'm encouraged that my beta readers said like, okay, book one is quite binge worthy. I'm like, well, good. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's a, that's always a good sign because they're they're not really they don't just like butter my toast with every book if something's kind of lame they'll let me know. So I uh, you know I find it encouraging when someone's like yeah, yeah I had to stay up late to see what went next but we'll see I'm I'm not launching it at a good time in November of this year 2022. Uh, not the best time but I, I don't also don't want to hold it until after January because I had things drop off quite a bit after. The second fantasy romance was not a good launch. And then it was depressing how, quick, how quickly it went from like, I think I had all time high income in like maybe April or May um, with the other one doing well. And, and my older witch, witch and Wolfwood series was still selling at that time to like, it really, the percentage it came down from that <laughs> over the summer was depressing. At least I had a lot of pre-orders for the last uh, Epic Fantasy to kind of save November. And at 190,000 words, the KU page read should be decent in October. But it is a little depressing how quickly things can slide. And I, I blame it partially on, you know, not having a week launch, not continuing on with a series. And then, like, we've been talking about this whole show. It's just, I feel like, ev- not everybody, but I'm sure there are people doing well, you know, having things kill it right now. And uh, that's always the case. But I think there's probably a lot of people right now that are seeing a decline. And like I said earlier, it's more sales than... KU page reads those have kind of held up pretty well and it's more um yeah I I am a big seller in the UK that's like a big market for me and Germany's kind of in there too pretty good solid so when the dollar's strong and the other currencies are weak it's like wow that was really quite a noticeable difference uh for a couple months the last few months on UK income especially all right I think that is all my my perk is that I might get to pay less in taxes this year than the year before. So always a plus <laughs> as long as the money's set aside, which I always do because I'm super paranoid about that stuff. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts? I don't know. We've been recording for over an hour and a half. It's the first episode in six months. We had to give the people something to listen to while they're walking their dogs. Yeah. Let's all say, those I'm... poor dogs are finally getting walked first time in months. <laughs> uh, pretty right. well spent, I think. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Everyone that stayed subscribed and actually realizes we have a new show. So seven people probably. I think I unsubscribed to us. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. A new episode, not a new show. We are not starting a right, new show. A new episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll put the show up, show notes up for this. And you can find a lot of the old shows where we do more specifics about what's wrong with your book, not what's wrong with the world as a whole. And you can find those. We still got the domain name, sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. All right. Have a good uh, rest of the year, everyone. Yeah. See y'all later. So long, everybody.